This week I had, a, I had lunch with this guy in our church named Joe. Joe is a, Joe's, Joe's the father of one of our missionaries. Remember, remember last year, uh, last summer, we had a bunch of our college students go out to Romania a, a year ago. And uh, after they came back, three of them said, you know, we want to go back there and live there for at least a year. And uh, one of those girls, uh, Nicole, this is her dad, Joe, that I had lunch with. And uh, we're having lunch, and I'm just talking about, that's got to be incredible to think your, your daughter's been overseas this whole year just serving these orphans. And, you know, as a dad, just to know that that was her desire, that, that's got to be amazing. And, and we're just both talking about the feeling of that and, and the joy of that. But then he starts telling me that she's getting, you know, she's getting married in a few weeks. And her, her husband, the, the, her fiancé, is also one of the missionaries from our church, you know, and they kind of hooked up. It's kind of cool. And, uh, and they're going to be missionaries together there in Romania. And he was telling me how they just got approval to get this house there in Romania. Um, and, and the reason why this is, this is so cool is because um, by, by living in this house on the weekends, they'll be able to bring orphans home to their house to live with them for the week. I mean, understand, these orphans are abused, mistreated, not shown any love, and now they have the opportunity not just to work with them during the week, but to take an orphan home, into their home on the weekends, and just shower love on these children. And, and as he was talking about it, man, the one word that kept coming to my mind was fulfilling. I mean, what a, what a full life that would be. I mean, can you imagine if that were your life? Uh, throughout the week, you're, you're, you're showing love to these kids that, that have been abused all their lives and have never been shown love. And then on the weekend, you and your spouse get to take one home and just shower this child with love like they've never seen and show them the love of Christ. Can you imagine how that would feel if that were your life? See, that, that's uh, what a full, full life. I, I meet a lot of people that are rich, you got a lot of people that know a lot of people with a lot of possessions, but how many people do you know that are really living fulfilling lives? Lives that are just, man, they're just, they're just full. I mean, that's, that's why Jesus came, too. I mean, the Bible says, Jesus says, I have come that you can have life, that you may have life and have it to the full. Are you living a full life right now? See, because last weekend I talked about how if you're a Christian, if you're a real believer, then the Holy Spirit is in you. But that does not mean that He's necessarily filling you. The, the, The Bible makes a distinction between having the Holy Spirit in your life and actually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Living a life where you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because really that's how you live a fulfilled life is when you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life and to live through you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to talk about how you and I can live lives that are really fulfilling, how you and I can live day to day with the Holy Spirit really filling our lives and filling our actions and controlling us. So here's a passage in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it's a passage we'll be looking at today. He starts off and he says this, Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Okay, the first phrase he says is, be very careful how you live. I thought about that phrase, and I thought, am I really careful about how I live? I mean, this morning even, was I really careful when I woke up and thought, okay, I've only got a few moments here. You know, I've got to, you know, this day, let me be careful how I spend my time. 
Most of us, we don't think that way. I, I don't think that way normally. Life just kind of happens to us. We just kind of go through the day. But here it's saying, no, be careful how you live. Live wise lives. Don't live an unwise life. Live a, live a wise life. And he explains, you make the most of every opportunity. And, and I, I love that phrase because make the most of every opportunity. The word in the Greek is literally ransom. It's to ransom something or to redeem something. And it's this picture of the days, the time, just doesn't really belong to us. It's kind of like running away from us. And we need to ransom it and capture it and make the most of it, to use it properly for ourselves. It even says that the days are evil. It's like these days that they can become like an enemy to us unless we can capture them, ransom them, and use them. And that's what it means to make the most of every opportunity. For example, okay, when I was a little kid, I remember I went to this picnic. It was like a family slash church slash just a, basically a bunch of Chinese people at the park. Okay, <laughs> and we have this picnic, right? And and do you remember um, back then McDonald's? McDonald's used to rent out. I don't know if they still do it. These big like igloo type round yellow jugs, these big yellow containers, and they would fill it up with their orange drink. Do you remember that? It's like this orange punch type stuff. And, you know, as a kid, that's a big throw. Ooh, McDonald's punch, you know. And, and uh, you know, we get in line, and, and we're all, you know, and it has that little dispenser on the bottom, that little button you push, and it comes out. Well, it was my turn to go get my punch, and I go and I, you know, push the little button. My cup's filling up. I'm done. You know, my cup's full. So I let go of the button, but the button is stuck. Okay, so you got orange drink coming, you know, over my cup, under my hands. You know, it's starting to spill. I'm trying to pry it so that it would stop spilling. You know, and something you've got to understand about Chinese people. We hate wasting anything. Okay? So this stuff's spilling on the ground, you know, and they're just run. People are running over to try to fit. You know, it's like a Godzilla movie. Ah! You know, and... Uh, you know, we're, we're pounding, fixing it, you know, and, and, you know, different ones, you know, my uncles and everyone, they're, you know, putting cups under this, uh, this punch container, you know, because they don't want any of it to spill, you know, and so pretty soon, you know, we're realizing we, we can't get this button unstuck, so everyone's just getting their cups and filling them up, and we have this long line, everyone's filling their cups, we're drinking as fast as we can, you know, <laughs> filling them up again, because we don't want to waste a drop of the orange drink. Now, the, the whole point of that is, that's the picture that the Bible gives about our time. It's like our time is just spilling out right now, okay? You're not going to stop it, okay? Right now, all this, our most precious commodity, our time, is just flying by. It's just spilling out onto the ground. And the whole idea is is we need to capture it. We need to ransom it and make good use of it. Just like that punch, we're not going to be able to stop it, so let's just make sure we use it properly. That's what the Bible is, is giving us, that picture of our time. It's like it's, it's running away from us. It's our enemy. It's evil. Unless we can ransom it and make the most of it, we have to use it up wisely. You can't stop time. You can't stop this day from happening. All you can do is take the time you've got and use it properly. I mean, how many times have you heard the phrase or used the phrase, gosh, where did all the time go? You know, it's already 4 o'clock. It's, wait, wait, it's already Sunday? Wait, the week's already over? Or it's, it's almost Thanksgiving again? Or this week, this week, I mean, how many of you thought, it's been two years since the 9-11 attack? I mean, didn't that hit you this week? you in two years already? Where did that time go? 
You see, it's just all spilling out, and we've got to use it in a fulfilling way. I mean, I think this first hits you when you graduate from high school, doesn't it? I don't know, for me, that was the first time it really hit me. It was like, well, I'm not a high schooler anymore. You know, I'm not, I'm not in school. I, I can go out and do anything I want now. I'm like kind of an adult, you know? And, and you know, because before that, you didn't really have to think. You know, you, you, everything is done for you. You know, I go through school, I go through class. But it's like, wow, I can do whatever I want now. And it just hit me. I can't believe I'm already at this age. And so I just jumped into college, like, okay, I'm safe for four years. I don't have to think anymore. You know, let me just get through college. And then, uh, you know, then I'm done with college. So, well, let me jump into grad school. You know, I did that for three years. But then it's like, man, it was almost like this panic. Like, I can't believe I'm at this age now. This is where people work. And, you know, and, and they, they're responsible. And, and it's like, me, not me. You know, I can't be here already. And then, you know, then I remember getting married. And, and just the thought of, wow, calling someone my wife? That's just weird. This is my wife. Wow, I've never used that word before. This is a wife, you know, and... And, and it was just amazing, you know. And then the, the crazy thing is, you know, for those of you who have had children, isn't that just insane when you bring the child home for the first time and you're in your house and you go, wow, i got to take care of it, you know. <laughs> I'm the one that's, res- there's no way I'm responsible for this. And this is crazy, you know. And then it's like, man, what happened? And then suddenly it's like, no way, I'm driving a minivan, you know. <laughs> This can't be me. This isn't happening to me. You know, you go through life, and then your kid grows up, and you're in junior high, and they hate your minivan then. And then it's like, man, what's going on? They graduate, and it's like, damn, kids, I'm a grandparent. I'm retiring. Wait, this isn't me. This can't be me. This is the guy that in high school, you know. And it's like, where did it all go? What just happened? You see, if you live a fulfilling life, you don't ask, where did the time go? Because you know where it went, and you're glad about where it went, and you realize where you spent the time, you lived wisely, and you go, I'm glad I invested that year in those people, in that thing. See, fulfillment was that day at the park when all the Chinese people were holding their cups of juice. You know, it's like, ah, I know where all the punch went. You know, we didn't waste it. See, the idea of fulfillment in in my time, in my life, is is I can look back at the year and I can look at a row of people and say, you know what, I know where my time went. It went into him, it went to him, it went into her, I invested time into them, I see these kids overseas, I support, it went to them, my money went to them, my time went to them. And I could point and go, man, that was a good use. You see, because my time's going to be spilling out all day long, every day, every moment. It's like, no, but did I use it properly? Is there a fulfilling use so I can look back at my life and I don't go, where did my life go? I don't stand before God and go, I don't know what I did with my time. But it's a filled life, a fulfilling life where God led me and I know what I did. Are you making the most of every opportunity? Because the days are evil. And then verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. Don't be stupid. It says, do not be stupid. Don't be stupid and just live life. Don't be stupid and just have life happen to you. Don't be stupid. And, and just, you know, do whatever you feel like at the moment. He goes, instead, know, understand what the Lord's will is. Live a life that is wise. Think through, what would God want me to do with my time, with this precious commodity I've got? Be wise. 
think through, what does he want me to do and start doing those things? Because you're going to face him. You're going to face him soon, and you're you're going to give an account for your time. So just be wise. Know what he wants you to do with, with your time. Understand the will of the Lord. And what is the will of the Lord? Verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what's God's will for me? He wants me to live my days being filled with the Spirit. Now what does that mean? It's interesting. He uses this analogy. He compares it to being drunk. Now, uh, I brought a six-pack with me. Now, it was, it was funny because last night I thought, oh, it would be good to have you know, the visual here, but I, I didn't want to go to the market because it was kind of weird. Like, you know, everyone in the town knows me. It's like going and buying a six-pack before my service. But, uh, so, uh, so I sent our youth pastor, and he went and got it for me. And, uh, and so now, now picture, picture if during my sermon today, in the middle, you know, just right now, I decided to take a beer out. You know, it's last service. I can actually do this. You know, open it up, and I start drinking it, Okay. And then, uh, you know, go through a few verses, and I, I get another beer, and I drink it. And a couple more verses, you know, a few minutes later, I take another beer. And, and by the time I'm done with my message, you know, this whole six-pack is empty. Okay? Imagine, just try to imagine if I did that right now. Picture what I would sound like by the end of my message. Okay? I mean, think about it. Just, just try to picture it right now. Just imagine pretty funny, huh? I mean, just, just watching me just get wasted in front of your eyes, and you guys are like, come on, do it. No. Okay, you know, the Bible says don't do that. Okay, so, I mean, just, just how everything, I would just, I would be acting so differently because I'd be under the influence of, okay, well, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's be honest in this room, okay? We're in church. God's watching. Show of hands, how many of you in this room have been drunk before? <laughs> Okay, all right, all right. We got the party crowd at 11.30. You guys are all hungover this morning. Okay, so you guys are probably all excited when I pull out the beer. Like, oh. Okay. All right, all right. Hopefully that was in your past, okay? That was before you came to know the Lord. Um, but, uh, okay, I, there was one time in my life. I was never a big drinker or anything like this, but there was one time, and it was after a Bible study, Okay, we're being honest here, right? But don't worry, I was not your pastor at the time. I was pastoring another church. And, uh, okay, I admit it, I had some hypocrisy in my life I was dealing with back then. Anyways, okay, so here's the deal. Okay, and it was an accident. It's always an accident, right? Okay, now, uh, I'm confessing all this. The idea is, I remember at that moment just, just being, I'm like, I just can't control myself. You know, I'm saying things that aren't like me. I'm acting, you know, I'm just a a complete idiot, you know. And then I'm in this car, you know, in the back seat, you know, just acting like a total idiot, saying things, singing things, whatever. And then, I, you know, they dropped me off at my house, and I thought, oh, no, i got to go into my house. And my roommate's there, and, and he's a Christian. You know, and he knows, you know, I'm trying to, you know, study for the ministry and live for God. And, and I thought, I got to hide this. You ever try to hide being drunk? 
You can. Even if you think you're doing a good job, you're the only one that thinks that, right? And so, and I knew this. I knew. I go, there's no way I can hide this because I'm acting like such an idiot. He's going to see it. He's going to everything. So I remember just walking in the house and just going as fast as I could into my room, just getting in my bed and putting the covers over my head because I didn't even want him to see my face or anything. You know, I'm laying in the bed and, and he comes into the room. And I'm like, no, oh, you know, and he tries to talk to me. And I remember even talking and just trying to say things as quickly as possible because I knew I was slurring everything. So I was like, hi, you know. I'm good. You know, just everything. And that that feeling of, I can't hide this. You can't hide when you're drunk. You see, that's the picture that God uses here. He says he wants us to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that you can't come face to face with a person for 30 seconds without him knowing that God's just flowing right out of you. He says, you'll be so filled with God's Spirit that everyone can see it in every action. Just like a drunk person can't hide his actions, can't hide the fact that, that, that alcohol is all through his, his system. He says, I want you to be that way with God. I want the Holy Spirit in your life so much that everyone that sees you, you'll have to cover yourself up with a blanket, you know, and, and barely talk for them not to see God in your life. I mean, can you imagine if we live that way? If that were you, you were that type of person that was so filled with God's Spirit that you can't have a conversation with someone without God coming through and them just knowing, man, you are just filled with something. Something is totally different. (laughs) Yeah. Here's another one. (laughs) All right. I mean, the whole idea is, man, just, I am so filled with the Spirit. See, now understand... Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, understand, this, um, this verb here, when it says be filled with the Spirit, this is a command, and it's not a one-time command. It's an ongoing command that we're commanded to continually be filled with the Spirit. Okay, this is very, very important Okay, that you get this. It's an ongoing command, something you've got to keep doing. It's just like if I got drunk right now. If I got drunk right now, and then I stopped drinking, tomorrow I'd be sober. Okay? If I wanted to stay drunk, that would take some effort. Okay? i got to just keep it going. And that's the idea here, is it's not like you can come here on a weekend and say, wow, I'm so filled with God now. And then, you know what, tomorrow it'll be gone. And that's why it's this continual command. No, you keep filling yourself with the Spirit. See, too many people look at being spirit-filled as some sort of mystical, one time, it just happens. You know, you would love to just come forward, I just slap you, and suddenly, oh, the Holy Spirit's in me. And the rest of your life, you're just filled all the time. That's not what it's talking about here. It's not something like that. It's an ongoing effort. So how do we do that? How do we be those people to where God's just spilling out of us all of the time? He tells us. In the next couple of verses, it explains exactly how we do it. Verse 19, he says, speaking to one another, start speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, you can't see this. You can't, you can't see this in the English, but here's, here's what's going on. In the Greek, you've got this verb, okay, that says, you know, just continually be filled with the Spirit. Then under it, right after it, come these four participles, okay, you know, and, and explains, okay, be filled. Well, how do I be filled? Well, speaking to one another, speaking, singing, you know, thanking God and submitting to one another. 
Okay, so, so how do I become filled with the Spirit? Well, first, I speak the way I speak. If I want to be filled with the Spirit, then I need to start speaking to my, my Christian friends, my brothers and sisters, with psalms, with hymns, with spiritual songs. Now, what does that mean? How do you speak to someone with, with a hymn? Does that mean I come to church and they go, Hey, Dave, amazing grace. No, you, you know, you're like, wow, what do I do? How do you speak to someone in a hymn? It's a very important command. Um, what, is, what are the Psalms in the Old Testament? You, you know the book of Psalms? They are, they're words of poetry that are written to God. They're, they're expressions of praise to God. What are the hymns? The hymns that they would sing back then, and we still sing today. The, the just, just different types of songs that are written as expressions of praise to God. That's the idea of a hymn, a spiritual song, a psalm. They are these words of praise to God. And, and the idea, he says, I want you to speak to one another in such a fashion. When you get together with other believers, speak to them about how you can praise God. Speak to them about the things that God's done in your life. Speak to them and say, gosh, you know what God did for me this week? You know what I've been learning about God this week? You know what? God's been so good to me this week. And having Him be the center of our conversation. You want to live a Spirit-filled life? Then in your conversations, you're going to need to speak to one another about your praises to God. Would you say that describes your conversation with God? I mean, with other people. Would you say, yeah, that's, that's typically what I do. When I you know, get together with my, my friends, I, I tell them about what God's doing in my life. Praises, like psalms, hymns, this, these beautiful poems offered up to God. Maybe even some of you with those gifts and those talents to write actual poetry and sharing that with your friends. Saying, Man, look, look at what I wrote for God. It's just expressing some of the things I've been feeling. I mean, he says, that's part of your life. The second thing, he says, he says okay, you speak to one another that way, but I want you to sing when we be filled with the Spirit, then sing. Sing and make music in your heart to God. Do you do that throughout the day? You know, we come to church and, and most of us sing. And for some of us, it's uncomfortable because we don't like our voices. I don't like my voice, you know. It's kind of, you're in this vulnerable position where I don't want anyone hearing me. And yet the Bible says, no, I need to sing to God. And... Uh, and for some, sometimes it's harder for, for men. I, girls usually always have good voices, but no? Okay. Well, well yeah, it seems like it to me. Once it gets to a certain range, it seems like it's fine. But, uh, you know, but guys, I mean, we're just brutal. I mean, you should hear us at a men's retreat. It's like, oh. And, uh, but the whole idea is, is, but we still do it. We still do it. Why? Because, you know, we, we say, God, you know what? You're the one person that I will sing for, and I'll make myself vulnerable to, and I will sing and make... That's the whole point. That's why God made music, was that we would use it to glorify Him. And it says He wants us to do that in our heart. See, does that describe you? Are you a person that's singing throughout the day to God? In your heart. It may not even be out loud all the time. Just in your heart, this constant tune, this constant melody that goes to God throughout the day. I'm not. I, I tried real hard this week, you know, just throughout the day, going, oh, yeah, you know, let me just, in my heart, just make melody to God. Just, just kind of praise Him. And, and just, you know, that's why we have the worship CDs. You know, we want those songs to be in your head so you can just be singing them or, or humming them in, in, in your mind, your heart to God throughout the day. That really changes you. See, if you did that throughout the day, the Holy Spirit starts changing you. 
You start talking about God in your conversations. You start singing throughout the day. And it's interesting because the word there is sing and make music. But the word music there is the word melody. And it's talking about, you guys know the difference between a melody and a harmony? Some of you? Okay, melody is, 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 uh, is that song, like the song we just sang, you know, uh, You Alone. Where we go, you alone, our Father. That's the melody line, okay? That's, that's what, you know, you, you sing the main thing. Now, there's other people that sing the harmony. You know, like, like some of the other singers, they'll sing, uh, you alone, our Father. <laughs> Is that melody? Harmony? Okay. Well, yeah, something like that. Where it's not, it's not, it's not the main, the main uh, thing, the melody. But it's, it's like something that, that's meant to accompany and come alongside and make a beautiful sound. That's what you try to do. Now, the idea is here, it doesn't say harmony. It says, you know, make a melody. And it's a word that was used like if you just had a single instrument or a single, uh, single note at a time. And it, it's the idea. Is we, we, sometimes we like to come to church. And we're all singing, and it's, it's like a big harmony. Everyone's just coming together, and we create this one sound. But here, it's not talking about that. It's about you as an individual, just you and God, and it's your solo. It's your melody. It's you singing to God for no one else, no one else to hear. It's just you and Him coming before Him and just singing to Him. He says, I want you to do that with your life. He says, that's what living a Spirit-filled life is about. It's throughout the day. It's just you and God, and you're singing to Him and making music to Him in your heart. Try that. Just try it. When you're alone, when you're driving, throughout the day, even if other people are around, just having a melody to God, just saying, God, I just want to praise you right now with whatever musical ability you've given me. It's just a song to Him. And then the next thing here, He says, always, verse 20, always, you are always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two key words I want you to see. Always and everything. Always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that describe you? Are you a person that's always giving thanks for everything? I mean, if we did this, if we woke up in the morning, God, thank you that I'm alive today. God, thank you, you know, that I, I can turn my alarm clock off. Thank you that I'm going over to brush my teeth. Thank you that I have teeth. You know, thank you that, uh, you, know, you know, or you go and you get your teeth, whatever you're going. You know, thank you that I can take a shower, you know, in this running water. You know, thank you as I get into my car. Thank you that I've got a car. Thank you that I'm living and breathing, looking around. I go, God, thank you for letting me live in this city. You know, thank you for the trees. The sky is so beautiful today. Just throughout the day, thanking God. Walking into church, you go, God, thank you for, for, for the music I'm hearing as I'm walking in. Thank you that as I come to sing to you, look at all these people. We're all here to worship. Thank you that we can come together and it's free and we can hear this. Thank you that we can sit here and listen to your words going on and just all throughout the day, you know, you leave here and you, you know, as you greet people, it's like, thank you for that friendship I have with that person. Thank you that, that I get to go to lunch right now. Hey, all these things and just constantly thanking God through the day till the end of the day, you're, you're hitting your pillow and God, thanks for this day. Thank you for all all the things I remember and all the things that happened. Thank you that I get to rest now. Thank you I've got a pillow, I've got a bed. Ah, oh, and you just fall asleep thanking God. You see, if you did that throughout the day, you'd be a different person. I mean, you would be changed. The Holy Spirit would be just running through you. You do that and you're singing throughout the day? 
and in your conversations you're praising God? See, that's living the Spirit-filled life. He's in every aspect of your life. And then the last thing he says is uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's interesting. Because then the last phrase he uses there that, that fits under that verb is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then the whole next section, what he does is then he talks about husband and wife relationships. Then he talks about uh, parent to children relationships. Then he talks about you know, slave to master relationships. And the point is, is in these relationships, we're supposed to honor God. In these relationships, he talks about how we serve one another and we submit to the authority structure that God has put us under. And we do it in harmony. We do it in peace. We do it in love. And we serve. And this is important because I hear people say, my relationship with God is good. I just can't stand my wife. You know, I can't stand my kid. I can't stand my dad. I can't stand my mom. You know, and you guys, you understand that's a contradiction. My relationship with God is good, but I hate this person. See, see the Bible says a spirit-filled person is a person who is living in harmony with these other people and that, that he is serving these people. Is he submitting to them out of a fear of, of the Lord? I can't say that I'm worshiping God if I'm not serving my wife. Because the Bible says in that very same passage, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's part of living a spirit-filled life for me. Or to be a rebellious wife or a rebellious child or whatever. And yet think that your relationship with God is okay and you can make these melodies to him. No, he wants our relationships right. You see... What, what I wanted to get across today, if you didn't get anything else, it's this. If you want to be a person who is totally filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to take effort. You need to do these things. It doesn't just happen to you to where you go, man, everyone's all spiritual except for me. That didn't just happen. People do things. I want to show you a picture. There's a picture of uh, Charlene Jackson, one of the the ladies that, that helps us lead worship. This was Charlene, not this past summer, the summer before at our marriage retreat. Her husband says, hey, stand by the vase. Let me take a picture of you. He takes a picture of her. Then next year, this, this last summer, he took another picture of her next to the vase. Okay. She lost 100 pounds this year. Okay. Looks like two totally different people, right? Go ahead and put them side by side. You know, it's like a Subway commercial. Okay. You've got... <laughs> You know, I mean, a hundred pounds. Now, what happened? Did she just wake up one day and go, whoa, where did it all go? You know, let's look for it under the covers. You know, where, what happened? I, I lost hundred. No, no, no. It took effort. I was talking to her last night. I go, you know, how do you, you know, what, what happened? And she says, well, you know what? I just started eating totally differently. It took all this self-control, all this discipline. And I, I just started, you know, watching everything I ate because I was just disgusted with myself. So I started doing this. And, and man, it just started changing. I started changing as to where now it's like people see me a year later and they don't even recognize me anymore. And, and she goes, and honestly, right now, it doesn't take effort. It's become a way of life for me. That's just what I do. That's just how I eat now. And she goes, she goes that picture doesn't do me justice. I lost another 15 pounds since then. I'm like, oh, okay, well, they get the point. You know, and, you, you know she's lost 115 pounds now. And you, you turn that off. Now, the whole, the whole idea is, wouldn't it be incredible if, if just like her, we started applying these, these spiritual principles? You see, as we start speaking to one of their psalms and spiritual songs, we'll start changing internally. 
And as we start making melody to the Lord, we start changing internally. And we keep these practices of thanking God throughout the day, serving one another, submitting to one another, fear of the Lord. We start doing this internally. We, we, we start changing. We start getting more and more filled with the Spirit to where wouldn't it be incredible if a year from now people wouldn't know you anymore because you really did all of these things. And a year later, it's like, wow, you look completely different. And that's happened to some of you. Some of you who gave your life to the Lord and you got serious about it and you allowed Him to start changing your life, you start doing some of these things. Then you, you run into old friends and they're like, I don't even know you anymore. Who are you? That there's such a visible, you know, difference. Just like with Charlene, it's like, well, you did all those things, then you just start changing. And now look who you are. It's like, man, the same thing for us internally, even more important that spiritually, we would start practicing and exercising these things to where we'd be different people next year. See, it's all about how seriously you take this passage today. I mean, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want it? How badly do you want to be that person that can't hide God? God's just coming out of you. Every 30 seconds, you know, you know people are just, they, they, they can't hang out with you without seeing God. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to live that type of life? It's fulfilling, that's filled with the Spirit. If so, then take this seriously. What are you going to do with it? Some of you, maybe right now, you're going, well, I don't even know if I have the Spirit in me. Let me explain how the Holy Spirit comes into you for the first time. When you believe, at some point in your life, you believe that you've sinned against God, that you have done things that you know deserve punishment, But at some point, you believe that God loved you so much that rather than punishing you, he sent his son down on this earth to die on a cross, and he punished his son on the cross. And Jesus took the penalty for you. And when you believe that, you believe, wow, God loved me so much that rather than punishing me, he had his son punished, and if I believe that, then I don't have to be punished. The moment you believe that, you believe that Jesus died for you, that he was buried, and he rose again, and you accept that, that's when the Holy Spirit comes into you. It's at that moment of true belief. 